0: Hey everyone, just wanted to hop on here real quick and let you all know of a great event that I'm going to be a part of, as well as many previous guests on this show. So, on Sunday, May 29th, I will be participating in the WAP Stripathon. And if you're thinking wet ass pussy, yes and no, um, it's going to be a charity stripathon happening at the legendary Penthouse Strip Club and will be benefiting the Wish Drop In Center, which is a nonprofit organization based in Vancouver that benefits street-based sex trade workers tickets are $20 or $30 at the door and all proceeds including stage tips cover charges all that everything is going to charity we hope this event will sell out so we hope to see you there so for more information follow us on instagram at stripathon2022 Welcome back to another episode of Strip by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. I am your host, Steph Sia, AKA Kimchi, and at the time of recording, it's like way back in March, but by the time this is released, you will be seeing me on stage again for my gracious return to the penthouse for two long weeks. So come see me naked. Throw some dollar bills or actually $5 bills because you're in Canada and yeah, come chat with me, take me for a dance, tell me how much you love the show. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, I am a, I am a sex worker, so I'm a stripper. I'm also a content creator. I also was a sugar baby a long time ago and now I do the show every single week. I bring on fun, fantastic and inspiring guests on the show every single Sunday to help destigmatize sex work. Because, as you know, our work is highly, highly stigmatized. There's a lot of misconceptions and just, frankly, a lot of shit that goes on behind the scenes that, you know, the average person might not know. There are a lot of sex workers that listen to the show. Shout out to y'all. But there are also a lot of allies, uh, clients as well, and just regular vanilla people, which is super cool. And honestly, the show is for you because you all have a lot of learning to do or maybe unlearning to do. So that's just a little about me, a little about the show. Before we get into this week's Guest, which is Bad Kitty. I just wanted to shout out for all the new Patreon subscribers here that are subscribing to the top tier because you all get a fan recognition shout out here on the show. So Justin Erickson, hello to you. Uh, Karen Zen, brand brand new, hello, welcome, and thank you so much for subscribing. Arib Sarkar, Stefan Checks, and Jay Sunsern, thank you so much for supporting the show. And you, if you are interested in supporting the show. Um, Yeah, there's three different tiers that you can choose from. I won't bother you or bore you with that whole spiel, but check it out. It's patreon.com slash stripped by Sia, and your help is greatly appreciated so I can get a new mic and actually some headphones and all the things. (laughs) So enough of me talking here. I'm very, very excited to finally get this guest on the show today. She is an award winning BBW. Um, She just got an award for Best Booty on AVN Awards. And she is also a porn star, a content creator, a companion, and an all around baddie. Please welcome to the show Bad Kitty. Hey, y'all.
1: Let me just go back. I love being hyped up, but it wasn't for best booty. It was for uh, best BBW. Sorry,
0: my bad, best yes. BBW. But you also have a really fantastic the BBW. booty's
1: great
0: too. Thank you. <laughs> you know the thingy thingy wagon in. <laughs> here we go. Congratulations. dumpy beat dumping. Thank
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. I can keep going.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say I'm like please do. We'll be here for another two right. <laughs> That so it's so great to have you on the show thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to speak with me and for the audience to get to know you can't wait
1: i'm so excited i'm i'm glad that you reached out to me and that we were able to make it work and i'm super
0: super excited yay likewise And I cannot wait to get into all the things today. So just um, if everyone's kind of curious what we're going to be talking about, obviously we're talking about sex work. We're talking about porn. We're talking about why she waited so long to get into the industry, which I I honestly think is really, really smart. Uh, And also we're going to be talking about weight gain. So uh, before we get started and get into the nitty gritty of everything, I just want to throw out a potential trigger warning here because we are going to be talking about uh, binge-eating on this episode, possible mentioning of other possible maybe eating disorders, um, I know that weight gain is a, a big thing that a lot of us are struggling with, but there's so many different stories here and I want bad Kitty to share her stories. But if this is a trigger for you, please feel free to skip the episode. I will not be offended. It's totally okay. There are lots of episodes to choose from, but um, yeah, just a trigger warning for anyone out there that might find this information or content to be sensitive. So please bear that. Yeah. Please keep that in mind.
1: <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Cause you really want people to be, you know, some some just might not be the right time for you. You know, you could always come back to the episode if it's not quite right at that time. Exactly.
0: No feelings feelings are hurt. No feelings are hurt. Exactly. So just be responsible about the content you are consuming, but I guess, um, did I give you an okay intro? Like how was that for you? <laughs> like did I that was no, that's why I said it was great. You're hyped me up, I loved
1: it. You know, I just had to let it be known that not only the booty was the best, but the whole the whole kitty cat was the best. It, it was the
0: yeah. whole entire package, girl. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing
1: that, you know, is even more special about that was it was, you know, a fan vote. So that I feel is even more appreciated because you know it's from the you know the people that you're doing it for totally i love being recognized
0: being recognized and it's a good feeling isn't it
1: yeah a hundred percent you know give flowers to the people while you know they're there to smell it
0: exactly
1: Totally. i'm talking about my allergies and i've been smelling too many flowers because my nose is so stuffed (laughs) up so excuse (laughs) the sniffles y'all these allergies are whipping my
0: ass yes buddy kitty's gonna be sniffling a lot in this episode so i am sorry i'll try to edit as much as i can but you know just bear with us She's human. (laughs) We're all human.
1: (laughs) Gotta love spring,
0: right? You know what? At least you're in LA. It's quite nice. Right now you are in LA at the time of recording. I'm here in the Pacific Northwest and it's like rain season. So, but yeah, I mean...
1: The two evils, you know, it's like the pollen's not there when it gets washed away, but then you don't get the, you know, the pretty flowers sometimes. So it is
0: what it is. The struggle is real. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're not here to talk about the weather. We're not here to talk about allergies. Or allergies, right? (laughs) We're here Not to talk all. about you, how you you got into the adult industry, how you've been navigating sex work and all the other things that we've been mentioning too. But maybe if you wanted to start at the very beginning, I know you want I know people are curious to hear about your life before sex work.
1: So totally my village virgin origin story.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where did it all begin? Uh- Right. I, for, I, I, you know, I lived a super, you know, and when I say, you know, square, vanilla, I'm not saying in a bad way, but just a very normal, you know, normal person life. Like, you know, I went to college and did that, you know, went to school and, you know, it, it was just very normal. And then I knew, but I had always known that I wanted to be in the industry. I just knew that the timing wasn't right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being 18 could have been a you know, great time to monetize, but I feel like I wouldn't have had, you know, I wouldn't be here five years later into the industry, being able to talk about it. I feel like because I would have, you know, just burnt through it real quick. So yeah, um, not to be, you know, but I was, I was sneaky, sneaky watching porn as a kid, you know, on the mm-hmm. unfettered access to the internet in the early two thousands, you know. So it's like, <laughs> uh, and I you know, was just like interested, and I was like, you know, I could. I could do this like Mm -hmm. and i i could kill it i could be great at this so after you know doing all the normal life and getting i have three college degrees i have two professional state licenses and just like a lot of life experience and i was like i don't want to do any of that Mm -hmm. i worked at nine to five since i was 14 years old and i was just like i'm tired of working for somebody else i want to be my own boss yeah i want to do things on my time i don't want to ask another grown-up if i can go out of town Mm -hmm. for a week you know, like, it's just yeah. like, they're just things that just didn't align with me and my soul. So once I got all my responsibilities out of the way and I did that, I was like, you know what? It was like 2017. I was like, I'm going to start camming. I was like, I think I was, I had just turned 25 mm-hmm. and, um, I had, you know, my own space and my own time and, yeah. you know, that's what got me started was, you know, camming and the the freedom that i received from that at mm-hmm. home and being able to still work i was going to school at this time specifically it was i had class at like 7 a.m oh. get up drive to college go to class 7 a.m would be done by like 11 or 12 then work 1 30 to 10 go to work come home go to the gym for an hour and then cam until like 3am sometimes yeah so it was just like hitting the pavement because I was like I know that I didn't want to do this forever and I remember telling my mom I'm I'm an adult I was like I'm gonna quit my job I'm gonna quit my job she's like no don't quit your job do do, do. you need stability
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: then COVID happened Mm -hmm. and I lost my job and that was the best thing that happened to me you know like a lot of bad things happened to a lot of people in COVID but that wasn't the one shiny moment for myself personally (laughs) you know I was losing my job and being able to be doing this full time
0: wow holy crap there's a lot of things to unpack here (laughs) right i
1: was was like rambled i'm like
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot okay i'm gonna start back chronologically so you were mentioning early on uh, when you started your story you were talking about it wasn't the right timing before so what wasn't the right what was it about not the right timing that wasn't the right timing like was it because you wanted to get your schooling and stuff out of the way you wanted to have a taste of like quote unquote real slash corporate life first before dabbling into sex work or like what what was it about that
1: i feel like i i did a lot of self-discovery before 25 and i don't know i think it was what i want what i wanted and i feel like there was a sense of responsibility and expectations that are set on me you know being uh you know a child of like an immigrant and wanting to you know do my parents right you know so like you might be able to relate in that you know you, you, you want to <laughs> be you know you want to do the right thing and so i thought oh i'm supposed to go to college i'm supposed to do this but at the end of there i was fucking miserable you know it's like why i'm like young and vibrant and i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing and like why aren't i happy Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, I, yeah. this is what the life is supposed to be, you know, I'm living the American dream. I'm like, well, I'm not happy.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's really what it came down to. And, and funny enough, I, I graduated college or I graduated high school at 16. I was like a super overachiever, like straight A student. And it just got to the point where I was like, I don't want to do this no more. I don't, who am I doing this for?
0: Yeah. You know,
1: like, question. so then I ended up getting kicked out of college for, I had a 0.5 GPA. I just dilly-daddled, fucked around, just didn't go to school, just didn't go to class. I wasted my time and money, but other people's time and money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I realized that was a big learning lesson for me. It was, and I think that was something that I benefited from was I, I had to fail. I went from being, you know, so awesome and meeting everybody's expectations and doing everything right. When I got tired of it, I just, I failed. I failed on my fucking face and mm-hmm. had to tell people that I failed once the time came. And I feel like that lesson in, in itself was a big game changer for me.
0: Yeah. Holy crap. That's a big wake up call too. And mm-hmm. I, I will touch back on this too. But again, there's a couple points that you mentioned here too, though. So I'm a rambler. I'll get onto a
1: tangent and I, I, I just start. It. So if you gotta corral me, corral me.
0: No, you're on the right podcast. We we do a lot of tangents here, so I always hear it back. But perfect. You were talking about because I actually don't know what your cultural background is. Yeah, I don't talk about
1: it a lot just because mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of like fetishization. Yeah. And I just I always tell people, I'm like, you want to pay me, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh my dad's from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. He's like a super old school like Rasta, uh, super, you know, conservative and you know, old timey. And then my mom, uh, her parents uh, are not her parents, but her grandparents are German. And then on the other side, it's just a bunch of white stuff, I guess, Mm -hmm. like German, Norwegian, I don't know. So Jamaican and white. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, there
0: we go. I mean, because you said something earlier, too, It's just like, having that having immigrant parents, because my parents are also immigrants as well. I'm Filipino Chinese. And you there's like a little bit of that, like, wanting to please your parents and having the immigrant guilt if like you know your parents have laid out so much for you they sacrificed so much for you like from for me, my parents it like oh yeah, as long as you go to university slash college, um, you could do whatever you want, just graduate and then you could do what the hell whatever the hell you want afterwards. Because, you know, then you'll be a real quote unquote adult after that. Exactly. <laughs> you got like the eye roll there, totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you feel about that? Like, and I wonder too, because like a lot of us or society in general, we are always putting like corporate work on a pedestal. And I'm just wondering why the hell is that? it
1: yeah like why is the ideology of you're successful when you're putting money in somebody else's pocket you're you know spending how many hours a week working for the benefit of somebody or something else and that's the thing I don't understand as well too but um yeah I feel like the there's definitely like the first generation kid guilt type of thing and it's funny because my parents come from like totally separate worlds my Dad's, you know, from the sticks in Jamaica, doesn't have a lot of formal education, but can do anything He might not be a book smart man, but he can do everything in the world. My mom was, you know, upper middle class, the child of like civil servants and stuff, you know, it's always lived well. So it's like a weird, not weird, but it's, it's great, but it's just a very different life. So it's like, I understand the struggle and I understand the success and I'm, uh, what, six out of eight of my dad's kids. So there's ones that are older and there's ones that are younger. Oh, wow. And yeah. And, I, and so I'm the most successful out of all of them. I'm the only one who so far, I have two little sisters and one just got accepted to college. I'm Yay. so proud of her. <laughs> but um, I was, you know, the first one to go to college is the first one to, you know, make over six figures. in the it's the first one to do a lot. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, you know, weight on that. So it's like, you know, I did all these great accomplishments. And then, mm. you know, I don't, Some people might be like, well, wouldn't your parents rather you be doing this? I was like, my parents rather me be happy. Mm -hmm. You know, they're super supportive. It really just comes down to at the end of the day, they saw that I wasn't happy. And now they see me happy and they're happy.
0: That's amazing. And those are huge, huge milestones, huge accomplishments as well. Like what parent wouldn't be proud? And of course, there are instances where, you know, unfortunately – where parents aren't as accepting, or family are, isn't so accepting with the work that we do, because it's quote unquote like looked down upon, even though it <laughs> it makes like X amount more money than a corporate gig. To totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's tricky. I mean, like <laughs> it's it's really really hard sometimes to just trying to get people to understand that this is just like another profession and. This is why we have people like you on the show to say and to normalize and to humanize sex work.
1: And you kind of take on all of these. There's so many skills that I've learned in the last five years of being in sex work that I didn't have. Before, like I wasn't a marketer before, I wasn't a video photo editor before, I wasn't a promoter before, you know, I wasn't a webmaster before, you know, it's like all these skills that I've learned from this. And it's not just like busting it open every day. I love the days that it is busting it open, but there's also days where it's like back end admin stuff that people don't see. It's not always fucking, there's a lot of behind the scene stuff that, you know, some people have teams to help them do it. I'm yeah. like a one, one woman show. I just started letting people in because I'm a control freak <laughs> and I want it done my way and done right. And, you know, bless the people that work with me because I'm like,
0: I'm not trying to, you know, cuss yeah, but this wasn't how I wanted it. <laughs> you know? I hear you. I hear you with that for sure. Um, you mentioned earlier, like within your timeline. So you had graduated high school at 16. You started going to college and you were, I guess, maybe just, what was happening during that timeline that you were starting to flunk out of college? What Was there something there that you are comfortable bringing up, if there was anything? Yeah.
1: I was going through, like, a lot of, like, mental health stuff and, uh, like, high school time, and that's why I actually graduated a year early from high school. I, took, I I remember coming home one day, and I was like, I'm not dropping out, but I'm not going back. Like That was the exact conversation. And so I ended up doing independent studies and I did my junior and senior year in the one year. And I wasn't ready to go to college. Like with my personal circumstances and the stuff that I was going through, I now, what I know now, when I look back, I'm like, I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. So that's probably what led me to be kicked out. It was funny because I had to go to like a lot of remedial classes and I had to go to, you know, an academic counselor. And he, it was funny because he was trying to be smart. He was like, so what were you doing? Hanging out with your friends and smoking weed? I was like, no, I was hanging with myself and smoking weed. Like, I wasn't (laughs) hanging out with nobody. Yeah, I was just sitting by myself, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I was just, I don't know, I felt like there was too much freedom. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you go to cult from... High school to college, there's not the hand holding and did you turn your homework in? Did you study? Yeah, you know, I was like, I learned online classes weren't for me because I just fuck around and not do the work. And I would show up to the test and then be like, why did I even waste my time? I just got an F. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that's a silly. That's a big wake up call, honestly. Too Mm -hmm. that jump from going from high school over into college, like I also did that too, and I thought oh, yeah, I'm just coasting through high school. I could do the same thing in university, and it's just – it's not.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, not at all.
0: Same. The
1: half-assery, yeah, uh, like a high school C is a college F. Like, you know, like the level of work you put in to just coast and get a C. But, I, uh, yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> but I'm glad I learned that, and,
0: yeah. yeah. It's a valuable it's it life is. lesson, I think. Because um, totally. as you mentioned earlier, like you sometimes have to make those mistakes to really – um, not take things for granted and also just look at what, what's in front of you and seeing how yeah. you're dealing with things, right? So that's really- Totally.
1: And I think of uh, a line from Fight Club that, uh, you know, Tyler Durden says that Edward that Edward Norton plays, or maybe uh, not Ted, Brad Pitt plays <laughs> Tyler Durden. But You know, Fight Club <laughs> in itself, they're the same, but they're different, but whatever. But they say, <laughs> you know, it's not until you lose everything that you're free to do anything. Right. And that's something that really resonated with me. Um, and it's kind of true. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I I don't want anybody to ever fail ever, but there's a lot of lesson and self-reflection that comes in it. And people are like, you know, they say, you know, you fall down 10 times, but, you know, you keep getting up that, you know, 11th time. And it's like, it really, you know, even if it you don't get it back right the first time, I feel like if I hadn't failed, who knows what I'd be doing. I'd probably be knee deep in a miserable career, hating my, life every day you know coming home to work and asking my boss when I can go to the bathroom you know (laughs) I'm a grown-ass woman I don't need to ask no other grown-up when I can do anything
0: totally that makes a lot of sense and I feel like you actually went through you know losing it all I think you I feel like you went through that twice because so that time between high school and college and then also with the pandemic losing your corporate job that gave you the the time now to dedicate fully to at the time I guess your cam work.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't even think about it that way too. I mean, I was like, you're right. When I was like, I, I lost more. When you're like doing you're the pivot, I was like, oh yeah, cool, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this makes but, sense. Um, but totally, and you know, losing my job made it so that I can travel all the time to shoot or do whatever, and you know, take a phone call at one in the afternoon when that would be the time that I'm clocking in you know, or taking a lunch or something. So it's like, there's just so much more freedom in it, you know, it led me to where
0: I am now. Absolutely. Well, let's let's continue going on with uh, like your sex worker journey. So you started off with camming and then, um, that was kind of during when you were juggling like everything. And then where did you go from there? Like, tell us, (laughs) tell
1: us. Yeah. So can't, I was camming on chatterbait and, you know, doing that. And, um, then a couple performers had reached out to me kind of like 2019, and I came to L.A., shot some content, some like boy-girl content, and it kind of blew up, and people wanted more because it went from doing just like solo stuff. And I was really uh, – another part that I missed out, but I was really focused on like domination, like female domination, financial domination. Yes all dominatrixy, good stuff so that was another big shift because at the time in the industry and you know there's horophobia inside like the the hierarchy of sluts basically i'm like we're all on the same page (laughs) yeah we're all you know just because you don't do this doesn't make you better than the person who does do that so the rhetoric at that time like 2017 2018 was that doms shouldn't show nudity dom shouldn't Mm be busting it up and dom shouldn't be sucking and fucking like it's just like well that's silly so i was like well if that's how my peers are gonna act towards me i'm gonna you know kind of rebrand and change it so then it went to basically like content creation and i still do domination i still do like fin dom and all of that um but the shift went into more like porn focused and Ah. Working with other people, collaborations and you know, solos as well too because they're still, I love to do the other side, you know someone said Dom Kitty the other day, when Dom <laughs> Kitty comes out, but <laughs> I feel that kind of took my focus because I'm like, I love to you know, show off and perform in front of people and be, you know, kind of an exhibitionist, so that's where that led me, and then I got booked by, you know a really popular company, and that kind of put me more into like the public's eye of oh, it's not just a content creator. That's the air quotes. No, just content creator because there's hierarchy in that even too. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of put me on a different pathway. And then, so, you know, I picked up a couple mainstream shoots from them, but all the people that I want to work with or all the people who are booked on those same sites as so I'm able to make for myself. And really at the end of the day, the exposure that you can get from a mainstream shoot, it's, it's priceless. You know, it's not promo that I can pay for or that you can pay for on these like multi-million view websites, Yeah. But the, the bread is, keep the bread for yourself, you know, yeah. shoot your own stuff, pay, if you know, pay people to come into your shoot. That's where I, that's where it's led me now is wow. like self shooting and self booking.
0: Okay. Okay. I have so many yeah. questions. Wow, yeah okay. Where do, <laughs> where do I even start? Okay, I want to go back to the hierarchy because I think that's a really important piece to talk about there because of course, we talked about that a ton on the show too. but like had you personally experienced any like horphobia or any kind of animosity towards you for doing stuff that dominatrix, quote unquote, don't typically do.
1: 20, that was my first taste of it was oh, wow. the yeah, in my, the beginning of my career was kind of other doms in the community where, you know, it's a heavily, the people don't necessarily look like us. You don't see a lot of brown, black, yes. non-white dominatrixes. It's a very mm-hmm. different thing. So I was like, damn, it's, why are, why? we're this, you know, we're on the same level, like mm-hmm. we're, you know, supposed to be sisters or whatever. And you're like over here shitting on me. So I'm like, that was the first taste that I got of like the hierarchy mm-hmm. and like split shaming from within the community. Yeah. And then, you know, you see that when it comes to that, You, see, I'm sure you might see that when it comes to stripping, yep. you see that when it comes to full service, well, I'm not an escort.
0: Yeah. I just
1: self-picks, you know, I just do fin up. I don't expose myself. I don't show my body. You know, it's yeah. like we're all in the, you know, in the position of the sex business. Yeah. Somebody, whether you can be fully clothed, there's going to be somebody jerking it to your yeah. fully clothed body, whether or not, you know. So I, I think it's silly. It's like it's, you know, one band, one sound, but all over here trying to play the triangle, we're playing the drums right now. You're still in the band. Yeah. But you're not you're not different. You're still in the band. Like,
0: yeah. You know? No, that's a great metaphor, actually. That's a really, really great metaphor for sure. It's just so damaging, I would say, because like even to this day, like hearing cases of horophobia. Within our community, it's just so hurtful because, like, everyone's already against us. Everyone already hates sex workers. Like, we don't need that extra hate within, from within, you know?
1: Not at all. And it's like, that just weakens us. And, you know, if it's like, well, see, y'all don't even respect each other. The girls are fighting, you know? It's like, why should we respect you when you guys don't respect each other type of thing? And that, like you said, it's really damaging for outsiders looking in, but also that somebody might see that and be like, damn, I wanted to try that avenue. But if I'm gonna get you know flack about it, people are gonna you know do whatever my you know that's not how I want to be perceived. That's not what I want. Yeah. But you know I'm like fuck it. Yeah, with the it.
0: bag. it. get the bag. Get it. And you mentioned something earlier too. Um, you know, dominatrixes don't typically look like you. Um, did you also experience that with camming as well, or in other areas of sex work too? Totally. I mean, I joke and say I have the big
1: three. I And, you know, I, ha, I come from, you know, my skin color gives me privilege because I'm, you know, on the lighter end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I feel so bad for my, you know, colleagues, coworkers, my friends that are, you know, of a darker complexion. Their skin is fucking beautiful, but it's like you see there's so many different scales. So it's like I have the benefit of that, but I'm tattooed. So might be light skinned, but I'm tattooed and people don't like, you know, heavily tattooed women. I'm not skinny. I'm not skinny like I was when I started in the industry. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then, you know, so it's like being, I I joke and I say fat, black, and tattooed. Like those are the, that's my big three, you know, it's like (laughs) people I have no issue with it, but there's other people who have issues here. So you aren't seeing doms or, you know, a lot of performers that I feel like I resonated with even when I was, Sneak watching porn on the computer, yep. there weren't a lot of people who looked like me. Mm-hmm. And so that was a part of the thing. It's like one of those things like, well, if y'all can't do it, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. You know, I think that's, well, that's cool. what I'm going to do because I want people to, you know, resonate with me and be like, oh, damn, that's what I want to see. Totally. So there's definitely levels to the, the shit inside the industry itself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you are able to speak to that too, because like, again, like I try my best to try to get as much, like a very diverse amount of guests on the show. And sometimes it can be hard because the people that want to come in the show, I'm sorry to say, but they're all white. <laughs> yeah. Wants to come in the show, they're all white. So when I'm like, looking for guests sometimes too like I'm not just actively seeking it's not like I'm picking and choosing and be and tokenizing anyone but sometimes yeah. it's really hard because I'm just like well where are all my like BIPOC peeps at because as said, I said we're severely like underrepresented in
1: history. well then that's why I was so excited you reached out and I was like you know she's you know closer to (laughs) me you know like she you know like you said you're 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 mixed of ethnicities. so Mm -hmm. you mean you're you're outside i'm like okay so she's beautiful she's asian and she's a sex worker those are two things that i think are really great because i don't like it obviously i want other people who are interested to ask us our story Mm -hmm. i don't have an issue with people on the outside asking us but don't tell our story for us yeah And I would rather tell my story to somebody who's lived a similar experience because you don't want to be, they're asking you questions and then it feels judgy, you know? And I'm like, then you feel like they're going to spin it on you and make it negative.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And sometimes I I just, it's, it just feels invasive to me.
1: Totally. Very invasive. So that's why I'm glad that you have this platform to, you know, there's not people who don't get it. You know, we might have lived a different experience, but.
0: We're all together. We're all together. Exactly. Yeah. I um, you mentioned earlier too, um, you were talking about um, you're not the same size as when you first started in sex work. I feel like now is probably a good time that we transition over into, um, I guess, the weight gain topic because, you know, a lot of us have gone through weight gain Being in terms of like it's the pandemic. We're not moving. A lot of us are working from home or moved our in-person work online. Um, and also obviously like with content creation, like OnlyFans and clip sites being super popular and camming and stuff too. Um, like a lot of us are just like not moving (laughs) anymore. Yeah.
1: yeah. There's a lot more, I feel like, like reclusivity. Like I know I spent, I'm a homebody to begin with, but I spent a lot of time in the house and my favorite gym wasn't open. And, you know, I wasn't able to like feel confident going to the grocery store to buy what I needed. So it was a, it was a lot of combination of stuff, but Before I started in the industry, I was like working on losing weight. So I, when I started in the industry, I was actively like losing weight. So I was maybe like 190 pounds at like my slimmest. So like my very first mainstream shoot was me like at my slimmest and I shot and was really slim. But I was super not, the thing I was most self-conscious about was my boobs, especially with my, when my weight fluctuated because I never had perky boobs. I really bottom heavy I have a lot of upper breast tissue. And when my weight fluctuated, my boobs changed and it was a really hard time to find bras. And so I kind of was like, all right, well, that's something I want to fix. Then, you know, I was really you know fit. I was feeling good, you know, pandemic happened and I put on like 50, 60 pounds. Like I'm not even, like I don't, I don't feel bad about it, but you know, that put me into a different, Category And people, you know, started looking at me different. And it was funny, I I was on another podcast this week and I was like, can we do something like a mean tweet read? And he's like, yeah, you got a mean tweet? And I was like, yeah, it was basically like, ew, bad kitty, you let yourself go, so fucking disgusting, throw up face. And like, I'm like, it's like water off a duck's back. You saw that guy. And I was like, what did I say? And I said, and so are my pockets. Love (laughs) you, you know? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, this might be the biggest I've ever been, but it's also the biggest the bank's been. So, you know, like, I... (laughs) You know, and it's not to say that I don't want to, you know, get back working out and all that. And I do, Mm -hmm. but that just wasn't something I was focused on. But I definitely saw um, people started treating me differently Mm. and started looking at me differently. I know, like, people who said that they wanted to work with me before, they don't now. That's fine. Nobody nobody has to explain why they don't want to, you know, play with me, you know, (laughs) type of thing. I'm like, girl, you know, you don't have to say... But I definitely see the difference. But on the other coin, it's really funny because, um, uh, I've gotten the most bookings when I've been this size as well too. And mm-hmm. the one thing I, I went, I got my boobs done, and that changed everything for me in my self confidence. I'm like, I might look at my, you know, my stomach's a little bit pudgier than it was before. Or, you know, my hips are wide, whatever. But to me, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with what I see in the mirror yeah. now. Like. I don't have an issue with it, but it's just really icky how people, I mean, we, we have a, you know, industry that's focused on our body. We're, yeah. you know, providing services with our body, we're exposing our bodies and people are always going to have something to say, but I'm like, it's just not going to get to me.
0: Yeah. It bother me. You can't let it get to you. It's like, so it's such a volatile and like dangerous hole, um, to go down. Cause it just starts like self-sabotage. Like you then might Go through like body dysmorphia as well too, and that's like cool yeah. Did you want to speak a little bit about that? If you want to get personal, yeah. I mean, I always it, it's funny
1: because I'm like I feel like there's always just like a like a not a skin like a slim, big, bad bitch inside me at all times, and one and sometimes the outside matches what I feel is on the inside, and sometimes it doesn't. But when I look in the mirror, I don't think ugh fat bitch the stuff that people say to me i don't think about that when i'm looking at myself in the mirror i'm like oh bad bitch yes guys yeah <laughs> people pay me to sit on their face and smother them and you know i'm like there's all these things. i'm like i don't have an issue with it i like it's whatever but there's definitely i, I know i personally i go through times of like restrictive eating where i mm-hmm. don't want to eat anything or my anxiety is so bad that i just feel like i can't eat anything and you see you know the white the weight change from that and it's funny because that's when people are like, oh, you look so good. I'm like, yeah. I am upset. I don't feel good. I'm depressed. I can't eat. Yeah. And that's one of my comforts is I love to eat. And like, I know that that's one of my first signs that people know, like, that I'm not well.
0: <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like,
1: if I was kidnapped, and I had to send a video. I was like, I'm not hungry. People are like,
0: She's not okay.
1: <laughs> Help her. Somebody find her. But that, you know, also kind of becomes my downfall because it's very easy to get into a, a system of like binging like and purging and all, you know, it, it's a it's a rough cycle sometimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's times where it's good and there's times where it's bad. But there's definitely, uh, I don't I don't like the cycle. I don't like the way it makes me feel, you know, because you are like, uh, I'm doing this because it's making me feel better right now. But then afterwards you feel kind of like icky. It's almost like, like post nut clarity, you know, yeah. like you got what you wanted and now you're stuck with like, oh, I don't like that.
0: Yeah, it doesn't it felt
1: it doesn't good go for a minute.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just like a temporary fix. It's like a band aid, right? But it's not yeah. actually fixing the problem. Like with your with your binge eating, like I, I can't I can't even imagine like what you'd be going through with that. But like what's going through your head when that's when you're going through these cycles and how long are you in these cycles for do they vary I I like it sometimes it doesn't happen at all and then sometimes it does like I can't remember the last
1: time that I felt like I was like out of control or something there's definitely been times where you know I you know order a bunch of like junk food and then eat it all and it feels cool in the moment it feels good and and then afterwards I'm like, damn, like I really felt shittier about that. Mm-hmm. Or you start to see like you, know, you look in the trash later and you're like, What the hell? Like <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it's I feel like it's something quick. It's more like a like a singular event. Okay. And it might happen, you know, one to two times a month. And this is just now. I feel mm-hmm. like at like a, a younger state in my life it it was more re- like it would be more frequent and be like a couple times a week or, wow. you know, and then I'd be purging and then, you know, I'd go out to dinner and then, and then I, my, my logical brain was you're wasting money. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you're know you going to eat all this shit and you're not going to like hang out with it. You're just going to let it go afterwards. You know, like, <laughs> damn, you're wasting money. But then it's like, I don't know. It's just an icky cycle, but I, I feel, I feel good about where I am. No. Um, and it's one of those things. I feel good when I meal prep mm-hmm. and I, I don't have to think about the food because
0: yeah.
1: you start to, you know, you think about what's the, what am I going to eat next? You know, it's like, what do I feel for right now? And I know when I'm on like my meal prep and, you know, with my trainer and doing what I need to do, that takes a whole like piece of my brain off because it's very kind of like anxiety inducing you know you're thinking about that and i'm like okay i just know that i have a meal that's packed i'm gonna go and i'm gonna grab it it's good for me it's portioned out properly because I, I i was always like a big eater And it was always kind of the joke I was like look how much you get put away you know but i was like yeah no that's not realizing like it's like a thing like eating until you feel like you're gonna explode type of thing and it's like you know I'm i'm glad that it's a lesser event and i don't feel like, it's something that I that bothers me as frequently and as often.
0: I'm really glad to hear that because it really certainly sounds like it's been a journey for you compared yeah. to when you're younger, right? So it sounds a total totally And way.
1: And, it, you know, it's seen differently whether – you know, if there's somebody who's anorexic, they physically – you can tell that they're, you know, wasting or that they're skinny. They look unwell. When there's somebody who's my size and they say, you know, I have an eating disorder, they're like <laughs> – just being fat and eating what you want isn't a disorder. And it's like, no, binge eating is like bingeing and purging is in fact. And that's the thing. When you see larger bodies, fuller bodies, it's not taken as seriously. I was going to bring that up. It's a different feel where it's, you know, everybody, you know, the big thing too, is you don't know what people are going through by the way that you look, they look, they look Mm -hmm. type of thing. You can, You know, you might be able to say, oh, that girl looks anorexic. She looks really skinny, but you can't look at somebody with a fuller body and be like, say that she's not as well, too. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know what she's doing after or before she's eating or not eating or, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. I really want – yeah, I'm so glad you started to talk about this because I was wondering the same thing. Because, like, with BBWs, like, you're known for having all the curves, voluptuousness, all that stuff. And I was going to say, like, how does that look like? And how does that feel like when these diseases are not taken as seriously or like people like don't believe that it's a thing?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, I'm not speaking for anybody, but so I'm sure that there's other, you know, BBW performers who feel, you know, the same way or, um, you know, maybe they don't because when it, there's, you know not being in control and then there's the fetish of like feederism that's a whole other mm. thing and um but i'm sure that there's lots of other you know full-figured people that are you know feeling the same way and so hopefully you know they see something that you know to talk about for sure but it, it's you know then this is it's funny because this is the first time i've like ever really talked about it at all so oh um thank- yeah so it was I was like, when you brought it up, I was like, okay, eyeballs. Nope,
0: we're tough. You're a bad bitch. <laughs> and And thank you so much for your bravery and just being so vulnerable about it because this stuff that we don't really bring up very often, like if anyone else is interested and needs some help, to talking about this or wants to hear another perspective, go listen to Evie Brooks's episode in season two. We talk about anti-fat bias and what that feeling is like. And if you're on the other spectrum, I want to say other spectrum of eating disorders, but unfortunately um, yeah. anorexia and bulimia, listen to the Belle Beckwith episode and we talk about that because those are two other episodes that might be of interest to anyone here listening that might be struggling. So. But yeah, thank you so much for your just courageous, courageousness, because it's not easy to speak about this kind of stuff. It's really personal.
1: Not at all. Yeah. And it, it really is. And it kind of like to segue into, I, I saw a comment from somebody uh, after I ended up winning the Avian for fan favorite BBW. Someone said, did you gain weight just to get this award?
0: And I'm what? like,
1: what? Like, no. Like, what, what the That's fuck? So that's so strange. Like I'm like, it just was a, you know, a perk that came with it. Like, and you know, there's, you know, to kind of segue into there's acceptable fat, you know, when it comes to me kind of on the smaller side of BBW. And it's funny because there's tweets that I talked about before where I didn't appreciate being called BBWs because I felt like it took away from the people who were in fact, I felt more representative of, term bbw right and i felt like people were
0: you know taking
1: from them and you know i'm so proud of my win but it is kind of ironic that um, they're like isn't that the bitch that was saying she's not a bbw and now she won the bbw award you know i can see that i'm sure that there is you know people thinking that same thing because i'm like i thought it myself too Like, yeah, <laughs> I was just tweeting about this the other day, you know? But there's definitely, a gal and I had talked about this on TikTok because she had said something and she, you know, it's a nice, juicy, voluptuous, she's probably about a 4X, 5X, mm-hmm. super sexy, beautiful gal. And she had posted something and I uh, about like, do you really like baby W's or do you like the fake BBW's that are, you know, like 12 to 16 sizing? And I'm like, let me stand up for the girls because it's not easy. Like you, and I worked in plus size fashion for a really long time and intimates. And you would see from the gals that, you know, there were four X, five X are like, why is there a one X here? Why is there an extra large here? And when I was small, I was like an eight, 10. That was small for me. That was the smallest I ever been. It wasn't easy for, I couldn't go to like a regular straight fashion size and find clothes that fit because a large wasn't an actual large. I couldn't go to the plus size store because it was, Too big for me at that point in time.
0: Wow! It was just like
1: this weird feel. So it's like you're like in limbo. Oh, exactly. And even now at this size, I, I, I understand that I'm the acceptable fat or the acceptable bbw body. I, you know, have a. I don't have the build that's not considered sexy by other people, and that's unfortunate because I feel every everybody's sexy, you know. And it's like I. And and you're definitely speaking from a place of privilege, for sure.
0: Yeah, no. In that. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because, like, of course, I'm out of that space, so I don't don't feel um, that I'm the right person to be speaking about this at all, which is why I bring guests on to speak about this, that are representative of it. But, yeah, like, I I noticed that same thing, too, that there is a spectrum, there is, like, a range, uh, or, like, maybe – subcategories of bbw like i don't even know if there are other categories within bbw as well like is there yeah category? there's the there's the from what
1: i know there's you know this might be just me not knowing because there's more but what i know personally is there's like the bbw and then there's a super size bbw so that is the gals that are much more to love so you're my thought of what a super size bbw is when you cut into like the 5x Six, everybody's weight is different, so I'm not going to say any weights. but it's definitely a larger body. And that, you know, has its own market, the super size BBW market. These girls are cleaning up cash. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, all these different things and making great content and all, there's something for everybody. So it's like just because you don't like it doesn't mean that these girls aren't bringing in the dough, you know? like Yeah. And they are.
0: That's like one thing I love about sex work is because – There is literally something for everyone out there. (laughs) Literally. Mm -hmm. With like more more categories to be created.
1: Exactly. I'm like, oh, they want to call you fat bitch? Okay, well, this fat bitch just got, uh, you know, money. This fat bitch just did this, you know? It's like, and I feel like somebody, I watched a video and somebody said, You know, people get so upset when you see, you know, fat people enjoying their bodies and Mm -hmm. it's, or, you know, not being upset with it because just because you're disgusted doesn't mean I am. Yeah. And it's like that cognitive dissonance. It's like, well, I don't like you and I think you're gross. Like, you shouldn't like you and you should think you're gross. And it's like, that's not how it is all the time. Some people I'm sure do feel that way. And I feel like that sometimes on occasion, but. I'm like, just because you don't like me doesn't mean that I'm not going to like me. And I feel like that makes people uncomfortable Yeah, sometimes.
0: And that uncomfortability, like what is it with you know people that aren't BBWs? Like what is it about, what makes them uncomfortable about seeing someone else enjoying their body, seeing someone embracing yeah. their own skin? Like what's up with that? Like, is it just because we've been conditioned for so long to say that like, oh, these are what we consider as quote unquote normal bodies and like more skin and more love is is off to us. Like Yeah, like it's a
1: bad thing. And I'm like it, it's just silly to me because I'm like yeah, the, the dudes that y'all think are the hottest, sexiest dudes, yeah, he be laying on my tummy. He be squishing me like this. You know, it's like all these things. And it's like, just because you don't like it doesn't mean that I'm not a person of value and that people that you find attractive don't like me, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. And it's Absolutely. like, well everybody shouldn't like that and I'm like no like that's not how that works just because you don't like it keep it pushing but why comment on it because now I think you've got a humiliation kink and I gotta call you out your name and retweet you know and I'm like not literally call them out their name but you know I was like I'm gonna
0: retweet it and be like yeah I love you too you know like yeah because I was gonna ask because there's so much especially with Twitter too there's so many trolls on Twitter but like in general, like how do you deal with the negative comments and the negative feedback, whether they're from fans on Twitter or Reddit or people commenting or even people that, you know, might not want to work with you anymore? How do you cope with it all?
1: I, it's funny because people I, – uh, I feel like people have told me that I'm like cold and I don't feel like that I'm cold at all. I just feel like that's an excuse when people – when you have boundaries. Yeah. And you don't let people push them and you're not reactive to you know something that they want. So people that can hurt my feelings are people who know me personally. Yeah. You know, like my family. I, my best friend and I are beefing right now. Uh-oh. So he, you know, he hurt my feelings. But yeah. you could say what he said to me and I'm like bye, bitch, bye. But, you know, that's somebody that hurt my feelings, you know, but yeah. people that don't know me you can't hurt my feelings. Like I might like I might be like, huh? Anyways, keeping it pushing. Like yeah. in that moment that I read that tweet, I was like, you're so fat. You left yourself no blood. And I was like, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm like, Moving well, on. Why take the time? Why yeah. take the time out of your day? Because you say, I don't like you. I don't care. But you took the time to tweet it. You took the time to type it up. Mm-hmm. You took the time to look at it and point out what you didn't like. I see something I don't like. Boop, I scroll it so fast. Like, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, but so when I see hate comments, I always just reply back with, like, a heart or, like, a kissy face or something because I'm like, y'all can't get to me. And I just keep it pushing. And I have a, another couple homegirls. Sometimes, like, if we get roasted, we'll rate the roast. And it's like, mm, 6 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's a good and strategy. you do better. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, do better. Yeah. Like, this, this is what more. I would have said. You know? Because, yeah. like, I – what you're going to say to me is something, I couldn't think of something worse to myself and that I haven't said to myself in my lifetime, you know? <laughs> so it's like, it ain't no thing. I enjoy, not that I enjoy it, but I enjoy the fact that I make people so upset or feel something so viscerally mm-hmm. that they take the time out of their day to do it and I'm like gotcha <laughs> you know like that's the whole point I wanted you to interact mm-hmm. whether it was positive or negative and specifically on tiktok I'm like y'all how the algorithm works I was just gonna when you say- interact <laughs> when you interact with these types of posts you're gonna get more of them when you comment on them it brings more to you but it brings more eyes to me as well too so thank you I love it when you interact because you're helping me I'm not got like what you're
0: saying but strategically business-wise you interacting with it Helps. That's what we want. Do you know? Dude, like, thank yeah. you for boosting my engagement and getting more visibility to my page. Like, thanks so much. Exactly. Like, Right. It.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's, it's whatever. I, I, it really doesn't bother me at all. Like, yeah. I'm like, whatever. But the funny thing is people aren't going to ever say it to your face. Yeah. You know, like, you are going to say it to my face. And if you do, honestly, I'd be impressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd probably be taken aback. I'd be like, huh. <laughs> New achievement
0: unlocked, you know. <laughs> 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 I'm i am be surprised. No, I it. hear you. It's like a lot of really bored people out there, a lot of people behind, like hiding behind a screen, all that stuff. Just they want to make their, you don't want to add their two cents, but like really, we don't really have time to deal with that kind of stuff because it's taken away from your own work. It's not being productive. It doesn't accomplish anything. It's just like, yeah. go get a job or get a life.
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. I'm like, he'd be so mad. Like, the thing that you should be mad about is not me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure there's something else in your life that you could be mad about. Me, Well, me, on the internet? No, no.
0: No. Real God, you can go to that. a different page. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Silly. Well, there are a few questions that came in. I, I know I, I kind of told you earlier too, but I, I think they're rather mundane. But if you want to go into them, we can. Um, if you want to see that's cool. But I mean they, <laughs> they play dudes. Yeah. they're just from dudes I know just came from your page to my page and like let me ask you this question. So oh, a
1: yeah. typical Instagram questions yeah. for sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: So first question today is um what is your favorite position? My favorite position I really like doggy. I
1: like uh missionary style but whatever the one is where you're like flat on your tummy and your legs are out straight Mm -hmm. that that's the oh yeah that's the one getting real deep yeah yes yeah
0: (laughs) Mm there we go um have you had any favorite scenes that you've shot yeah I have a couple favorite scenes that
1: I've shot uh my favorite ones are always the ones that I make myself because it comes from like my brain but I love all the like mainstream scenes I've been in but um yeah there's when I can use, like, a, a, a um, like a creative mind, like, I have one that's called Hot Ho Summer and it's, like, been my most popular and it's, you know, kind of like a role play conceptual and I'm like, if y'all are not going to book me, then I'm just going to make the videos that I want to be in, so I'll do it myself.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. We didn't really, like, take time to talk about that. Do you want to quickly go into, uh, like, your whole, like, um, self-shooting? And how- Yeah. I mean, I, sorry, like I, I said, that. I was like,
1: if I... <laughs> Totally, but I you know if i'm not gonna get you know booked frequently and i and, and you know i've been what industry five years i've gotten booked four times and mm-hmm. you know i like i was telling you it's always with white men which isn't a problem but i'm like
0: yeah.
1: black porn sells like, that's a whole nother topic but yeah black porn sells it's there look at the ebony category look at like the top five it's like in uh, with other things but ebony and bbw are like in the top five top ten top mm-hmm. search things so yeah, i'm right. like you know, long story short, more black porn is what I, <laughs> you know, was what I want to shoot, and I want to shoot like comedy stuff. Like I, you know, I like funny porn. I want to just only shoot Gonzo stuff. There's a time and a place for just like let's just pound, pound, pound. But then, like, I want to make stuff with a storyline or role play or comedy and. That's what my kind of kick is right now. It's like comedy porn.
0: Oh, fun. Maybe t- tell us yeah. about comedy porn
1: quickly. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. Did you see my, my I have a pin tweet where it's like, uh, like the, like a pervy yoga instructor. And I'm True. like, I got yes. workout equipment, state of the art, brand new stuff. It's just a strap on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and It's like, let me like, yeah, I'll get you in the right position. You know, stuff like that. And it was just really funny. Cause it was just like really off the chain the type of stuff that we're coming with off the fly. And, I'm like, I'm really proud
0: of that one. (laughs) Well, I like that too, because different um, than like everything else that's out there too. And it's like, you're, you get to shoot your own, you get to make your own, your your own spiel on things, which I think is really, really cool. And I think more people need to be taking charge that way. Cause I've even talked to uh, a couple of recent guests as well. And they're like, Oh, I'm not always into shooting this. Like it's. It's nice when you shoot mainstream, but, like, it's not the stuff that I would always want to be shooting, if that makes any sense.
1: Totally. I think of that as a supplement where some people think you might be either. Where a lot of people who are booked all the time for mainstream, that's their main, and their content is a supplement. Mm-hmm. I'm the opposite. That my stuff that I make is my main, and that's just a supplement. That's a benefit. That's a perk.
0: Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. Last. What else they got from me? Right? <laughs> the last one. Who has your – um, who has been your favorite partner to shoot with?
1: My most favorite partner to shoot with and that I always recommend with is Isaiah Maxwell. It was mm-hmm. just his birthday the other day. and But he's just the, I feel like he's like the, uh, like this should be the standard of, you know, he's such a gentleman, it, you know, gets the job done. You have a great time. He focuses on you and like your needs and what you want and, He's just one of my absolute favorites to shoot with, for sure.
0: Shout out. (laughs) Shout out. (laughs) That's super fun. Um, That is all the time we have for questions. I know you have to get out of here as well soon. But, Bad Kitty, before we let you go, where can we find you?
1: So you can find me at badkitty.com. So badkitty is B A D K I T Y Y Y. So three Y's in the bad kitty, all caps. Uh, badkitty.com is my personal website. Everything's linked on there, but I'm on uh, all the websites as badkitty. Sometimes there's, you know, an underscore or an ads at the end or whatever, but uh, I'm on Pornhub, X videos, OnlyFans, TikTok, Twitter. Instagram, fansly pocket stars, just the fans, oil fans, all of them.
0: Saturate saturate you All of the things. I'll just place your link down below. Badkitty.com. Badkitty.com. <laughs> Click yes. that link if you haven't already. And everyone else that's listening at home, it's new episodes every single Sunday and all podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, rate, share, review on Apple, and maybe subscribe on wherever you get your podcast. Maybe write me rate me five. five, I cannot talk today. Rate me five stars on Spotify. if Absolutely. you want. support and review yes do the things that helps with visibility helps people find the show as well and it just is a really nice token of your appreciation and I appreciate all things so that's that and that is it for today it's going to be another brand new episode next Sunday stay tuned on who I will be bringing on to the show next week but for now bye for now Bad kitty thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me I had a fantastic time and I love what you do
1: in your platform so Aww. thanks for, for what you do thank
0: you Thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh... You're listening to Stripped by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia, music by Ted D, graphic design by Maria Bellendorama, and photography by Ian Dabrin.